Explore presents a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman. Chapter 43 Toil and Trouble in Turkey 9th to the 13th of February 1978 Turkey Our adventures on our return into Turkey were tinged with trouble. What with the cold and snowy weather, we needed to keep focused on gaining ground going west. Then, to top it all, a devil of a guy showed up one day and gave us the heebie-jeebies. The border crossing from Iran into Turkey went as smooth as silk. The customs officer just had a quick look amongst the things in the back and then sent us on our way. Shepherd boys were busy tending their sheep on the snow-covered hills by delivering hay on small sledges. We weren't sure where those lads lived, as there were a few houses about. When they gave signals requesting cigarettes and we had none to give, we expected a backlash of anger, but they just waved us on. The road was variable, from compacted snow to slippery, slushy mud. As we drove through a snow-covered mountain range, down into valleys and through gorges, we followed the course of a river. The road went right alongside the river bank and at other times high above with a cliff drop directly down to the water. Frequently, Alec had to avoid rocks that had fallen down onto the track. We drove steadily down a steep incline to a bridge, crossed the river and continued on slowly for another 45 minutes until we stopped at a barrier across the road. The local gendarme informed us that the road ahead was blocked and we'd have to backtrack 35 miles and head in the direction of Van. It was getting late in the day, so we made haste and were able to reach the bridge and parked in front of the local public workers' dwelling. A middle-aged man came out to see what was up and we tried to communicate that we needed to be there for the night. It wasn't until we showed him the back of the Land Rover where we would sleep that he understood and was willing for us to stay. As I fixed dinner, there was a knock on the door and the man and his young friend invited us for tea. Later, we went into their humble house, into a simple room lit by an oil lamp and heated by a blazing wood burner. We had to keep moving our chairs back when the heat became unbearable. Then, with a never-ending supply of hot, sweet black tea, we were completely coddled. Our cheery hosts eagerly looked at and discussed between themselves the maps and brochures that Alec had brought along. It was a pleasant end to a tiring day. Blast of cold air hit us when we eventually left their place to plod through the deep snow, the short distance back to our chilly Land Rover for the night. We made an early start the next morning. It was 6.30 when we bade farewell to the workmen and drove across the bridge to ascend the road heading east towards Van. 
It was blowing a blizzard. The fresh snow was thick on the road and Alec drove extremely carefully in four-wheel drive. It was a narrow track that climbed through the hills with a cliff face to our left and a sheer drop to our right. Icy cold cobalt blue water flowed furiously in the river down below. After only three miles, the situation became treacherous as the road became steeper and the wheels on the Land Rover wouldn't grip. The heavy vehicle stopped climbing upwards but instead slid to the right. The wheels were turning forwards but we were slipping backwards. Alec had to bring all his driving skills into action and hold her steady. We held our breath and sent arrow prayers heavenwards. It was impossible to go forward, so Alec changed into reverse gear and slid and coerced our Land Rover slowly, slowly down the hill. Miraculously, we arrived safely back at the bridge. Alec then had sufficient room to manoeuvre the vehicle around and drive across to the previous night's camp. We parked thankfully and breathed a sigh of relief. I put the kettle on as we took time to weigh up the situation. For inspiration, Alec picked up the Bible to read that day's study, which was about Moses leading the Israelites across the wilderness. We prayed to God to give us an answer to our predicament. We could be here for weeks, Alec pondered. Well, at least we're safe, I encouraged, and have plenty of food, warm clothes and fuel for the cooker. So there we were, quietly sat drinking tea and recovering from the horrendous fright as we waited for an answer. Snow chains, that's what we need, snow chains, Alec suddenly exclaimed, thumping his clenched fist on the bulkhead. Idiot! Why, oh why, don't we have chains? What was I thinking? At that same moment, there was a knock at the door. The young workman stood there with another man to see why we had returned. They too suggested snow chains. On checking the map, Alec estimated it was about five miles uphill to the nearest town of Hakari. We donned our warmest clothes and covered up with our waterproof jackets and trousers, woolly hats, scarves, gloves and boots. With the Land Rover securely locked, we left it under the watchful eye of the workman and set off at a steady pace to trudge through the snow. It was still snowing, but the wind had dropped. Woof! 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 I jumped as a big wolf-like dog bounded towards us. It didn't know whether to bite us or lick us as it growled and wagged its tail at the same time. Carefully, we left its territory and were glad it didn't follow us as we continued up the steep road. A passing lorry driver took pity and stopped to give us a ride. We rode in the open back of the lorry, chilled by the rush of cold air, as we travelled the last mile into town. Akari had an assortment of shops, a tourist hotel, several banks and market stalls that sold fresh fruit and vegetables. We went in search of auto supplies and a pleasant young man tagged on to us. Apparently, during the summer tourist season, he would assist visitors to the area. Unfortunately, as we arrived at midday, all the shops and banks were closed, so our man about town treated us to tea. 
Our presence in one of the two tea houses drew the attention and custom of the local men as we brought a little interest on another snowy, wintry day. We about gave up hope of ever buying snow chains as we waited and waited for the shops to open. At four, our patience was rewarded when we tracked down a store that could sell us a set of snow chains for £40. We gulped at the price, but needs must, so Alec changed a few travellers' cheques at the bank and we made our purchase. We were soon on our way out of town, walking on the slippery snow-packed road, knowing that night was drawing in and we had a long way to go down the hill. After a mile, a pickup truck pulled alongside us and offered to take us down to the bridge. We were thankful for the ride, but unsure if we were in a local taxi or not. So Alec prepared to pay him as we arrived at the bottom of the hill. Zwei hundred lira, the driver said, speaking German, a commonly used language in Turkey. Two hundred lira, Alec exclaimed not believing the charge could be six pounds for such a short ride. Yeah, zwei hundred lira. He wasn't joking as he sneeringly repeated the sum. We climbed out of the cab and Alec checked his pockets to see how much we had. The driver got out too and walked around to our side of his truck. I felt threatened by his aggressive stance. Alec could only rustle up 65 lira and he offered this to the greedy man. The driver grabbed the money, raised his clenched fist and shouted, Zwei hundred! As I looked up, I realised that his mates had arrived, their vehicles strewn alongside the truck. They gathered around and urged him on. Alec's eyes and mine met fearfully as we had no idea where this sinister situation was heading. There was not a friendly face in sight and daylight was slipping away. Help! I cried out silently as warm tears washed over my cold, flushed cheeks. Alec continued to search for any money he might have missed. As he checked once again inside his jacket and under his thick knitted jumper, he discovered something in his shirt pocket. He pulled out two American one-dollar bills neatly folded together. He passed them to the driver, who examined the green bills, turning them this way and that, and smoothing them flat. Bizarrely, he kept only one dollar and returned the second to Alec. The driver and the men slapped each other's backs and muttered with great satisfaction before returning to their vehicles and driving off. We stood shaken and dumbfounded at what could have transpired had it not been for the power of the American dollar. The sum total of the dollar and the 65 lira the driver had already received was only 85 lira, less than half the amount that he demanded. Thank God for America, Alex said as we began the final part of our walk across the bridge to the Land Rover. It was not long before we were welcomed into the workman's house again. We sat by their cosy fire, drinking piping hot tea as we related the terrible tale. Through the aid of pen and paper, we conversed and discovered that we should only have paid 25 lira for the ride from town.
The next morning we were up early again. After breakfast, Alec drove the wheels onto the snow chains and fastened them tightly with bungees. We bade farewell to the workmen before driving again eastwards up the steep hill out of the valley. Thankfully, the snow chains proved their worth as they gripped the snow and took us safely along. Every so often, Alec would stop to check the chains, and when the bungees broke, he made big rubber bands out of an old inner tube. On reaching the main road, we turned left towards Van, and at lunchtime, Alec removed the chains, as the route was no longer snowbound. We drove high in the mountains, where the terrain was bleak and frozen. We arrived at Lake Van to see stunning scenery of deep blue water surrounded by a winter wonderland of snowy hills down to the shore. A marvellous camping spot, although very close to the road, so that when trucks went by they sounded their horns. In fact, three individual truck drivers stopped to warn us that it was going to snow and it would become very cold. Why not go on to the next town and stay in a warm hotel, they suggested. But we assured them we were well aware of the conditions and would be okay. As we were running low on water, I took a saucepan full of fresh snow and melted it to make lots of hot drinks. For supper that evening, I made a meat pie with carrots, followed by milk pasta and fruit. We were in bed by 10.30 and were soon sound asleep. Suddenly, at midnight, we were woken by the sound of a vehicle pulling up close by. Doors opened and closed and we heard voices of men approaching. Alec tried to open the window, but it was jammed with ice, so he cautiously opened the back door. Two armed soldiers had come to warn us of bandits. It was unsafe to stay there overnight and we must go to their guard base. We were sorely miffed, but this was not the time and place to insist on staying. After all, they had the guns. So they waited whilst Alec half-dressed himself and climbed into the driver's seat to follow their escort. Meanwhile, I knelt on the bed and kept my arms around our kitchen stuff on top of the work surface to prevent it flying everywhere. Fortunately, it was not a long drive and once parked up, we were left in peace to sleep the rest of the night away. It was indeed a very cold night, the coldest we had experienced. Even the water in the kettle froze solid and the windows were glazed with artistic patterns. The route the next day to Tatvan and then Bitlis took us over snow-damaged, potholed tarmac roads and mucky mud tracks that sprayed brown slush up onto the Land Rover. But the roads improved as we left the snowy hills behind to drive beside undulating farmland, where green blades of crops were sprouting through the tilled dark earth. Donkeys were hard at work carrying heavy loads of branches for their owners. A welcoming, warm, sunny day drew the women out of their little mud houses. They were dressed in bright, colourful long dresses and bloomers with white flowing scarves covering their heads. Their appearance brightened our day with the hope of spring. We drove via Diyarbakir and headed out onto the open plains going westwards. 
By the end of the day, we'd driven 280 miles and found a quiet place to camp for the night by an abandoned military tank. For supper, we had cheese omelette and kidney beans with bread and butter, followed by apple crumble and custard. Bedtime. Midnight Madness revisited when we were rudely awoken by soldiers who whacked the back corners of our Land Rover with their bayonet at the ready machine guns. They insisted we were in danger of bandits and must go to the safety of the gendarme post. It was a nerve-wracking ride following the armoured jeep in front with another tailgating behind. We had no idea how far we had to go and we were dressed for bed and not for gallivanting in the chill of the night. Thirty miles later, we arrived to find nowhere flat to park, so we settled on a slope facing upwards at a tilt. The following day, we drove to Urfa, where we bought the obligatory third-party car insurance, onto the country town of Beresik, which stood on a hill by the Euphrates River. The terrain of rolling hills led to flat areas of cultivated land and the earth changed shades from dark brown to orange and a rich red. Olive trees, apple trees and grapevines were still hibernating from the winter. We continued on to Gaziantep and then went south to Kilis, right next to the Syrian border. The road passed many Turkish lookout posts and vast military barracks. With the Syrian hills to our left and the snow-capped mountains of Turkey to the right, the scenery was delightful in the gentle late afternoon sunlight. Not wishing to be disturbed again that night, we approached a gendarme post and asked where we could park. They directed us to park just beyond the perimeter fence and later offered us a glass of tea. Total distance driven, 35,439 miles. You've been listening to a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman, presented by Explore More. Explore More is an adventure lifestyle brand founded on the 1977 travel stories of Alec and Jan Foreman with a passion to inspire people to explore more of the world, engage with others and embrace global cultures to ensure a greater understanding for each other and enable positive progression. Discover great products and more on exploremore.com. That's E-X-P-L-M-O-R-E dot com.